right. Um, I'm a ball coach. I'm not a preacher. So, uh, you know, they, I grew up in Louisiana, and they, they sat in the bayous, and they, they liked to duck hunt. And uh, you would hear the Cajuns down there. They had a line. They would always say, no shots, no ducks. Okay, so you don't shoot. If you don't get shots, you can't get the duck. All right? So we're going to give it a shot tonight. And uh, I'm not going to have some beautiful three-point three, uh, deal like y'all probably had before. I'm a coach. I'm going to have eight points. All right, we're going we're gonna to talk longer. Um, but I'm going to go quick, though. All right, I'm going to go quick. So all my guys are laughing. They're all over there like, yep, that's coach. All right. Um, we're, we're, not, we're, we're actually going to look. And, again, we're going to do this in a quick fashion. Uh, we're going to look at about six chapters in a very quick glance. Okay. A um, couple things before I get going. We're going to talk about Nehemiah tonight. It's one of my favorite books. Joshua's my favorite book of the Bible. Nehemiah's probably second. I think right now, something we had our staff retreat uh, about three weeks ago. We do it right before the students come back. And uh, we go to the lake, and we get away for a little bit. We talk about the mission of the year. We talk about our objectives. We talk about what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. We, we start to lay out the plans. And uh, we got the guys coming in the next weekend, and we start to put the plan down of what's in place of what we're doing. And uh, we all know, right, if we, if we saw anything to happen in March, uh, we, we, were, we were four seconds away from doing something that we're going to eventually do and uh, have fun doing here in about six months. But we, we were this close uh, from doing that. And coming off of that, it's been an interesting time to see, A, our team's response, but our program's response, because we know that the university and, and the college basketball world is watching our response to how we handle this situation. And uh, as we were talking about as a staff, my biggest push to the staff was after night one, I said, look, I want you to take tonight and tomorrow, I want us to discuss our individual purpose of why we do this. And I want you to put some thought in it tonight. And I want you to really think about it. And then I want us to be vulnerable with nine men tomorrow. And I want us to be able to vocalize what we really feel like our purpose is. And um, purpose can get lost quickly, right? We can, we can quickly lose sight of purpose because we're constantly trying to achieve. We're constantly trying to be approved. We're constantly trying to be accepted. Right. We don't feel validated. We walk around in shame. We feel like we're being compared. The world right now is a huge comparison. Just everywhere you look, am I adding up? All right. Am I worthy? Right. I'm hoping I'm going to have enough success to show people that I'm worthy. And what happens is, is in the midst of all that, as you seek that approval, you lose purpose. And if you don't start with purpose and you don't understand purpose, then the only thing you have left to do is to seek approval and acceptance and to and basically to feel like hey am i getting this thing done right and in the world right now right in which we live we understand the reality of that so i made him do this assignment but just like tonight you know i'm going to preach out of something from the heart and speak on something from the heart uh and when i asked him to do that exercise i was really wanting to do it for myself i'm a reader it's kind of how i slow my brain down a little bit i started doing it in college when i finally realized that you could actually read something that interests you Uh, it took me about 18 19 years to figure that out I was being forced to read, and I did not like reading. But then when I figured out that I could actually read things that I was interested in, uh, it became something that I really developed as a habit. Still to this day, I try to read for 30 minutes a day. And um, I, was, I was going, I was, I've read all these books, right? You know, you think from in terms of a faith-based perspective, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, years ago, Rick Warren, huge book, right? Uh, this word purpose is thrown out there. And you've got secular books, and you've got all kind of books saying, hey, figure out your why, Okay. Figure out your purpose. And then a lot of times those books, right, they'll have like, hey, a couple pages where you, you like write it down, you know. 
And for me, like, I'm such a, I, I like, I want the next so fast. I like, like, I'll write that later. Let me go to chapter two. Okay. I know I'm here. And I'd really never taken the time to really think about, like, and, and I, I, I always wanted to be elegant, right? I always wanted, like, you know, it's got to be a paragraph and it's got to be all these sentences and it's got to be clean. And it's got to connect. And so when I went to bed that night, I couldn't, I couldn't go to sleep. And uh, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, man, I'm struggling to write this down. Like, I don't want to just have some cheesy answer of what I think this thing's supposed to say. I know what I think this thing's supposed to say, but I want something that I feel convicted by. I want something that I honestly believe in my soul is my purpose, right? I don't want something that somebody's told me is my purpose, right? I don't want some bookshelf answer of what people say, oh, yeah, this is what you're supposed to do, and this is how you're supposed to do it. I wanted something that I really felt in my soul was authentic to who I was, and I was struggling with it. And I woke up the next morning, and I went out in the lake for a little while, and I came back, and it kind of started to come together for me. And I thought, you know what? The best things in life are the simplest things. And the things a lot of times that you can be the most convicted in are some of the smallest things, right? The hardest decisions in life usually come down to the simplest of fundamentals. Okay, so as I was thinking, I thought, you know what? Since I've been a kid, all right, I was raised three boys. My dad was a doctor, high expectations. And I was, I was the dumbest of three, okay? My older brother, 15, 40 SAT score, uh, national merit finalist. Younger brother, pretty much the same thing. But you know what? One thing for me, when I was little, I was always a builder. And whether it was when I was really little, it was Legos. Whether when I got older, it was, hey, mom would come home and there would be something to put together. My dad didn't want to do it. I would do it, right? And I was always trying to build. And ever since I look back at my life, I was, I was 19 years old. I started my own basketball camp in college, okay? I, I bought my wife's wedding ring with it because we had – 300 kids my senior year of college at this camp, this local camp, that just kind of blew up because we built it. And it was my summer project and it was fun, okay? And all of a sudden it was like, wow, this is the biggest camp in Florence. And I got a rush on that. And then as I got older and I found my job, it was like, hey, I'm an assistant. Well, I want to build an offense. I want to build a recruiting model, right? And then I was, I was blessed with the opportunity to run my own program. So it's like, hey, let's build this thing bigger. Let's, where, where can we take this? And in my heart, like, I'm, I just felt like, like I'm a builder, right? But, hey, I want to build something. And I think that's the biggest thing is, like, okay, I want to be building something. But if I'm talking purpose, then what is that something? And then not only do I want to be a builder of something, but I want to be a builder of something that matters. Because what a life of, 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 just, of just pure pity, right, of pure sadness to be occupied in building something and the energy that it takes to build something that at the end of the day, when you get on the back end of it and you read and we've got, we got books and books and books of the best of the best of the best that have said, I've gotten to the end and I wish I would have built different. I wish I would have worked on a different project. I got all this and I got this and I've got this and I've got this, but I've gotten to the end and I wish I would have built something different. And I thought, you know what? I don't want that to be me. So I was writing and wrote down, I want to build a faith that matters. Then I went next, I want to build a marriage that matters. And I went next and I said, I want to build a family that matters. Then I went next and I said, I want to build a program that matters. Well, now what's the big thought after that? You got to think of what? What matters? 
What defines matters, right? What does matter, right? Those are the questions that we have to ask ourselves. And you're in this part of this journey in your life. This is a transitional point, okay? Hey, you're going to get a degree in this and that. You're going to get this number and you're going to get this GPA or you're going to get this points per game or you're going to get this and it's going to carry you to this. But are you chasing something that really matters? Because if it doesn't matter, right, what really will it benefit you? So tonight, what I want to talk about, I want to get into Nehemiah. For those that have read Nehemiah before, it's, it's an unbelievable book on leadership. But it also talks about building. And a little bit of background, we'll start in chapter 1. And we're, going to read, we're going to read chapter 1 in its entirety, and then I'm going to kind of bounce around the rest of it. But I want you to stay with me. And I think, I, I think hopefully I give you something individually tonight that you can take with you and you can think, hey, am, do I have a purpose of what I'm chasing at the end of the day? Am I building something that matters? Nehemiah wanted to build something that mattered. All right, and we're going to look at that and we're going to see what that entailed. A little bit of quick history. So if you studied the Old Testament at all, right, you know the deal, okay? Like people would follow God, things would be going well. Then they'd, they'd, they'd turn the AC up, they'd get comfortable, Right. And they start living by their own ways. All right? And all, all this crazy stuff would happen. Okay? And they would get defeated. They'd get pushed out. So the Jews, right, were in the area. And then Babylon came in and destroyed them. Right? So they all had to move out. Then all of a sudden, the Persian, basically Persia, after a little while, beat, they came in there and took over Babylonia. And then the Jews started to say, hey, look, we might be able to get back to our old territory. Okay? So you got the city of Judah. All right? You got Jerusalem. So Jerusalem had a wall. And back beforehand, when the Jews were in that area, okay, the wall was built. But since they had been, since they had been pulled out, all right, the wall had started to crumble. So, Jer- so Nehemiah basically said, hey, look, when he got back in there, all right, he at the time was basically a cupbearer for the king. He was a cupbearer for the king. All right, think about that. Is that something, is that something, does that sound like all conference player? Does that sound like somebody that is right equipped immediately to say, hey, you're the dude that's going to go do something unbelievable. You're the guy that's going to change the deal. Right? You're going to be the one that completes the wall. You're the cupbearer for the king. See, we want to be the king. Right? We all feel that. I want that. Y'all want that. Everybody wants that. But a lot of times it just doesn't start that way. Right? And I think that's by beautiful design. So here we are. All right? Cupbearer for the king. He's got something that's been put on his heart by God. And, it's gonna, and you're going to see that. It's going to be in the verse. It's going to show you that in chapter 2. But Nehemiah has this, he has this idea. He's like, I want to build something that matters. Okay, so here it is. All right. In late autumn, in the month of Kisla, in the 20th year, the king reigned. And basically he's talking. He said, I went to the fortress of Susa. One of my brothers came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned from there from captivity about how things were going in Jerusalem. Okay. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to the God of heaven. And then I said, Here's his prayer. O oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. 
Look down and see me praying night and day for your people of Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands and decrees and the regulations that you have given us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. And what's that sound like? That sounds like today, doesn't it? Turn on the news. Pull up Twitter. Doesn't matter what news channel, right? One's right, one's left. Now all of a sudden one's saying it, one's turning right. It's a mess. Everybody would kind of agree. We like to talk about it. Everybody likes to talk about how bad everything is. Okay, what does he say? He, says, oh, he said, basically, he said, I asked him how things are going in Jerusalem. And he said, they're in great trouble and disgrace. So is that going to deter Nehemiah from saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to pray to God that I'm going to be, have this opportunity to go build something that matters. Did the conditions and the circumstances of his present moment take away his desire to go build something great? That's my question to you. Well, I'll do it later. Well, I'm just a cupbearer. Hey, things are a mess. Hey, this thing's upside down. Did that delay what his desire was to go out there and build something that matters? Did he wait? Well, I got to get a degree first. I got to have a platform. I need somebody to ask me to speak first. Right? We got to know what we're building, okay? So the conditions, can we, all, can we all agree, right? A lot of times we think, right? We build something. Think of a house, okay? Or thinking, you got, hey, I need dry conditions, right? I need, I need the terrain level. We think when we go to be builders that the circumstances have to be clean and they've got to be dry and they've got to be perfect, right? But in this, it says trouble. It says disgraceful, okay? It says I'm a cupbearer. You get what I'm saying here, right? We let circumstance slow us down so much to be able to do something that matters because we don't understand and we haven't put enough thought and conviction into what our real purpose is as we go about this. Now, let's, let's skip over to chapter 2, okay? Getting in chapter 2, all right? We're going to bounce around a little bit, all right? I'm going to show you a few things and I'll, I'll kind of give some application at the end. So chapter 2, verse 5, he identifies exactly what he wants to do, okay? And you can see it right there in the text. He leaves, he leaves no mystery of what he's trying to do with a prayer to the God of heaven. Okay, we've noticed already he sets this thing in the beginning with a lot of prayer, right? There is a lot of prayer. There's a lot of dependence understanding that, hey, if I'm going to do something that matters, it's going to have to be something that's bigger than me. So with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it, if it pleased the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are, are buried. Okay, so why did it matter to him? There was significance. His ancestors were buried there. Okay, that's where they used to all be. And he said, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, the first thing I want to say is I want to be able to do something that matters. And the reason it mattered to him, right, was there was an ancestral line. There was a need. 
right? There were people that they used to care for, that carried on their faith and their values. They used to be there, and he said, hey, I want to go build it for them. Did it say, hey, you know what? I want to go build this city so I can get my brand better. I want to go build this city so I can get my, I can get my bank account up. Right? I want to get my wallet thick. All the stuff we talk about, right? Think about in the last six months when you've declared in your mind what you want to do. If you've decided that I want to go do something with purpose, think about what your motive was. Was it a give motive or was it a get motive? Was it I want to give this in honor? Okay, because I know I know that I'm just I'm just a cupbearer to the king. Or am I going to do this so I can at this point I can get the likes. I can get the affirmation. He's way above that. He's not doing this for anything of man's approval. He's doing this for his ancestral line. Right. Second. You can see in verse 12, bounce around underneath, okay? Verse 12, you can see this wasn't something that he came up with in his mind, right? And, and, and a lot of times this is where it gets hard. Let's just talk real for a second. You know, hey, how do I know? Like, I've struggled with this in my life. How do I know if this is the will of God? How do, how do I know that this is something that is, is, is me saying I want to go do this? Or how, how, how do I really know? And you know what? There's, there's no right answers for that. But at the end of the day is this. You can see the model right here of his amount of time that he's spending in prayer in the first two chapters of setting the scene to all this. And you just got to trust as you're in quiet and you're in silence and you're thinking and you're praying, right, that as you're able to put yourself in a slow down mind, right, we're so fast, we wake up and we just go, we just go, we just go. And the best times usually for me when I feel like, hey, you know what, I feel like I've got a peace about this. It's when I'm giving myself the opportunity to be still. Right. And to actually listen and to actually think with a little bit of clarity. But he says it right here. He says in verse, if you look right there in verse 11. So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone. What's he say? Anyone about the plans God had put in my heart. Now, I think that's I think that's important. It's not just the idea of like, hey, look, it's got to be God's plan. Yes, it needs to be God's plan. Okay, that's really, really important in this thing. Right. And the reason it has to be God's plan is because, as you'll see, as the story develops, if you really do want to build something that matters, there's going to be an opposition. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, it's not going to be the slightest of ease. So the reason why when we talk about, hey, like, is this my idea or is this God's idea? It's not just the whole buzz feel good deal of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, this feels great. It's the fact, it's the simple fact that we need it to be his plan. Because when the opposition hits, which we're going to see in a second, if we don't have his wisdom and his strength and his joy and his conviction, like this thing will not get to completion. And we see story after story after story of things that almost got completed in the world. Almost got done, right? And then just quite didn't get to the finish line. So the second thing that you got to understand, the plans of the build were put in his heart by God, right? When you think about your build, when you think about what you're pursuing, where you're going in this thing, right? Where are those plans coming from? Now, what I just said, all right, 219, the opposition's coming. Now, that's the wild part about all this, all right? Like, we're put on this earth to serve a purpose. 
He says, don't, not in the spirit of fear, but what three things, right? That he's going to give us a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. Okay, so we're put here and we're, we're, we're supposed to seek the will of God, right? We're supposed to live a life of purpose, but, look, but, but the, hey, look, there's going to be opposition. But here's the problem. We don't like any of that opposition. I don't like it. None of you like it. And we try to spend our life, like, avoiding it, right? Like, oh. And I feel him, all right? Guy started the song tonight. What do you say? Man, it's been a tough day. Man had opposition. So this Nehemiah, okay, it's right here, two verses, all right? Did it for a higher calling, not, self, not self-absorbed, like did it for others, the plan given to him by God, and now you're about to see the opposition. Well, if the plan was given by God, why, why wouldn't this just be easy street? And sometimes, right, how much doubt do we endure in our life when we feel the opposition and we question the plan? So what I just said a second ago, it's not that it has to be God's plan because it's got to feel good. But we got to know when we see that opposition, we got to know, hey, man, we got no choice here. It's swim or swim. This is bigger than me, and this was put on my heart by God, and the opposition to me is irrelevant. But if we're not rooted in that, right, now all of a sudden we can turn, man. We can get tossed all over the place. And so the opposition is real. Look at, two, look at chapter 2, verse 19. Just go down to 19. But when they heard, all right, the three, three interesting names there. I'm not even going to try to say it, all right? Sorry. <laughs> That's the coach in me. Heard of our plan. So when they heard of our plan, okay, they, they scoffed at us. They made fun of us. They attacked us on social media. Right? They hit our DMs. They told all our friends we, we were like, we were, we were clowns. Playing stupid. And right there, right there, right? You see it? What are you doing? What are you doing? Man, that's enough right there. For 80% of people, they'll be done. Man, are you serious? What am I doing? Man, they must think I'm dumb. They must not like my plan. Wow, I guess that means I got to stop. They're the experts, right? Anybody that has a Twitter account has to be an expert. Anybody that sits in class with me has to be an expert. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? So now, now, right? A little virtue signaling there, right? Like now we're going to go at him from like a value standpoint. So we're not just going to go up to him and say, hey, what are you doing? All right? We're going to try to go deeper at the ethics of it. We're going to try to get under it and see like, are they really convicted in this? Like we're going to attack them at the core. We're not going to attack them in an obvious manner. We're going to go after their values. Are you rebelling against the king? Are you a bad person? Man, come on. Like, hold up. This is a plan from God. What's, a, what's going on here? How many times do we get stuck at that point right there? Right? How many times do we get stuck? And, and you know what? You know why the opposition's real? You think the opposition wants you to build something that's meaningful? Because if everybody in here decides that we want to go build something that matters, you think the opposition is going to sit back? 
Because if they don't sit back and we all actually go build something that matters, guess what happens to the cause? But if they can stop us, right, you're going to see it. It's, it's relentless. It's relentless. Okay? And that's why we're going through eight points and not three, because I want you to see all of it. All right? Number four. All right? Let's jump over to chapter four. Jump over to chapter four. The plan had to be built with enthusiasm. All right? Now, hey, I hit those points back to back on purpose. Right? It's like, oh, man, up high, man. Plans from God. Great. Ancestor band. This is awesome. Opposition, oh no, no fun. Hey, next deal is you better come with enthusiasm. So they're still mocking them. Go to four, go to chapter four. Look in verse four real quick. Then I prayed, hear us our God, for we are being mocked. Okay, so what's he do with the mocking? He takes it to who? He just takes it to God. He just says, hey, look, we're being mocked. Does he take it to social media? Does he take it to his gossip group? Does he take it to the people that he's texting with? Does he take it to his group chat? He just says, hey, look, we're being mocked. Okay? May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. Hey, there you go. That's a competitor right there. All right? That's what we need right there. All right? You want to come at me? Let your own scoffing come back on your own heads. Hey, that, that's in the book. This ain't for the meek and mild now. This ain't soft. Ain't nothing in this book soft. Oh, man, we got to fall on our face. We got somebody mocking us. And he's, he's saying that to God. I respect it. <laughs> and made they themselves become captain in a foreign land. Hey, destroy these dudes. Man, what, how about that conviction? They're mocking us. We don't care. We're trying to build something that matters, all right? Watch this, all right? Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. Okay, now watch this. So he's saying all this. He says, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with what? Enthusiasm. Now, I ain't no Greek scholar. I don't know what this thing says in Hebrew, Latin, Greek, or whatever. I just know what this one says. It says enthusiasm. So I'm sure whatever that word is, all right, I'm sure there's something that's got like bigger meaning and it's probably even more powerful and more impactful if we knew the actual interpretation of that word. But do you see right there the two things? Like it doesn't say, hey man, like, hey, I know you're being marked and like we need to talk about this and like we need to make sure we're good here, all right? No, no, no. It says, hey, Take them dudes to a foreign land. I'm coming with enthusiasm because I'm here to build something that matters. All of a sudden, man, things get a little crazy, right? If, if the opposition seems that tight, if there's any type of hesitation, right? Like, how, how are you really pursuing what you think your purpose is right now? Well, well coach, I don't know if I have a purpose yet. I'm just in college. Like, I'm, my purpose is to get a degree. Do not buy that lie. Enthusiasm, right? Oh, man, it's hard. Yep, sure is. Hey, it's tough. Yep, sure is. You got to match that. Not like, hey, give it a day or two. Not like, hey, give it a week. Like, you have to be able to, through the strength of God, right, to be able to circle back immediately and say, hey, regardless of the mocking, I'm coming back with enthusiasm. That's not easy to do, but it's got to be something that's bigger than us, right? Now, look at this, chapter 4, verse 9. And then it says right after that, you look at it, and he's talking again, the last line, he says, 
but we prayed to our God and we guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. All right, so he, they prayed to God, which we've seen that a bunch, okay? And I'm, I'm telling you this is like somebody that was raised in the church. <coughs> I've made more mistakes today than probably anybody in here. I don't pray enough, okay? I wish I prayed more. I need to pray more. And it's the easiest thing that we all can fall into is we hear that and we see that and we're like, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it, right? Like, let me say my quick prayer before I go to bed. Like, can you see, just kind of scanning through this, like how much of a dependence of prayer there really is? So the question is I ask myself, right? Like, if, if Nehemiah is a way better person than me, then how much more prayer do I need, right? And what does that need to be in my daily life that there's a purpose and intent to what I'm praying about so that I can deal with the opposition. That I'm not becoming in this mode of self-reliance and I'm not circling around and trying to figure out how I can cope with this in a manner that's really not gonna give me the enthusiasm to continue what I'm supposed to be doing, but I've got to be guarded in prayer. But, 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 couple with that. They prayed and they guarded the city. I love that, all right? That's what we're gonna try to do here in a month, hopefully. We worked on it for a while this morning. All right, we try to guard the city, right? But from a, from a practical sense, okay, I think it's a beautiful pair right there. Because how many times when I do pray, okay, do I still feel like I want to have the energy to guard the city? Or do I think that at the end of the day, I checked off the prayer, this, God's going to guard the city. God's got me. Who's, who's heard that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, God has a, he's got you. He's got a high level of expectation for you. And the reason he has a high level of expectation for you is because he's got a big plan for you. And he's got something that he's wanting you to build that's bigger than what you can think. Okay? It's bigger than your, your all conferences and your accolades and your 4.0s. It's way bigger than that. But what he's saying is you can pray to me all day and I'll give you the strength. But I'm going to tell you something. You better guard that city. There's a, there's a responsibility in this. You're not just going to sit around and do what you want to do and pray to me and think that you're going to go build something great. He says, hey, man, you got to count the cost. Hard. Right? Sorry, right? It'd be a lot easier just to feel good. Everybody feel like this ain't easy. But it can be incredible. And you're going to see how this thing finishes up. Number six, 421. Of course, the coach is going to see this, right? 421, we worked early and late from sunrise to sunset. There is an effort involved in this. There is an effort that's required in this. And you know why? Effort's one of those deals like work. We're created to work. We're created to be builders. Like, think about it, right? Think about all the things. I was walking my wife after dinner, and I was like, you know, we're all builders in an essence. The ark was built. The wall was built. The temple was built. Okay? Like, all these things, right? I mean, Jesus himself was a carpenter. We're all made, like, to be, we're, we're created to be creators. Okay? So, there's an effort that's going to be required if you want to build something that matters. Because it ain't cheap. Because if it matters at the end of the day, right? Like, they're not giving that stuff for free. They're not giving that stuff at a discount. God said, hey, man, I want you to be somebody that when they look at that work, they can say, yes, that's because God was involved in that, right? Not going to be easy. We want it easy. 
We want to be comfortable. We want somebody to tell us everything's going to be fine. And we want somebody to tell us, hey, you're, you're not going to have any struggles. And here's the crime shame. You're, you're in a classification right now. You're in a statistical category right now that leaves the church at a higher percentage than anybody in the church. And the reason is because you start to deal with the first real adversity in your life and you say, hey, you know what? That's not what I thought this was. This, was, this, wasn't, this isn't what I thought it was. I thought this was supposed to be easy. Now I'm dealing with adversity. You know what? I'm going to go deal with it like this. And you leave the faith. You leave the faith because it got hard. But there's nothing easy about this wall being built. Okay? Two things and we're done. 6-9, chapter 6. Three things, a lot. Best verse in this. All right, so figure this. Listen, listen, we're wrapping up. So they built half the wall. Now, if you go read chapter 5, they'll tell you how they built, like, all these gates and all this other stuff. All right? They're almost done. They got to finish with the gate. They got to finish with the gate. Now, listen. I'm going to tell you this. Write this down. At, when you get close to the finish line, the opposition will never be greater. And you think, man, like, well, hold up. Shouldn't, shouldn't I have to do all that early and then I prove myself and then now I show God that I'm worthy and then now he's going to, he's like, I'm going to be able to say, man, look what God did through this. No, 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 no. God's saying, hey, man, like, you got to get to the very end of it and you got to get through that line and then when we see all the opposition that you had to get through, then we're going to be able to say, hey, look what I did through him. When you get close to completion, you will never deal with more opposition. Watch this. This is wild. Okay, chapter six, you can read the whole thing when you get a chance. But here, here's what's going on. So they, they, they hear that, hey, this thing's almost done. So not only do they go to him, but like they're literally going to try to scheme on him. They're going to try to distract him. And they're not going to do it in an obvious way. They're going to do it in a way where they get to him and they're like, hey, listen, hey, we want to hang out with you. We got these people that want to talk. Like we got a little party. We got a little dinner for you. Hey, you want to come over and have a steak? They're trying to distract him. Okay, look right here. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. And they're basically all coming up to him and they said, hey, they're asking you to meet at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Hey, man, they want to hang out with you. There wasn't no harm. They didn't come up to him and say, hey, dude, they're trying to kill you. Hey, man, they're trying to come up here and bomb your wall. Like, hey, man, they just want you to come downtown. They just want you to come over to the party a little bit. It wasn't nothing crazy, like, hey. And he goes, he goes, he, he says, but I realized they were plotting to harm me, discernment. Okay, probably again through prayer. So I replied by sending this message to them. I'm engaged in a great work. I'm building something that matters. I'm engaged in a great work. So, so look, here's what he said. So I can't come. Not I'll be there in 10. Not I'll be there tonight. Not let me wake up a little bit early. I'll come tomorrow. Let me get to the weekend. Let me, I got, let me finish this up and then I'll be there. He says, I'm in a great work, so I can't come. Convicted. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Man, how, how bad does this guy want this wall done? So then it doesn't stop. So he says, I can't come hang out with you. 
So did they stop? Four times they sent the same message. Opposition will never get harder once you get close to completion. And each time I gave the same reply. The fifth time, the servant came and opened a letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations, and they tell us that it's true, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and this is why you're rebuilding the wall. So it goes from, hey, man, we just want to hang out with you. To now it's like, hold up, come here. You're rebelling. We figured out your plot. We're going to lie on you. We're going to try to get you angry. We're going to try to get you distracted. And we're going to try to make sure you don't finish this thing. We've all been there. We've all been there. But I have a little determination. Verse 9. They were just trying to intimidate us. Imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work. But man, how about how good is this? With even greater determination. They tried to do it suddenly. Right? They tried to just knock them off the route. Then they came hard. Then they tried to intimidate them. You got people that if you try to go be bold, right? And you show that you want to be different, hey, you're going to get mocked. You're going to get scoffed at. You're going to eventually be intimidated. You know, like, like they're going to try to make you feel like, hey, will you be able to come with even a greater determination? How convicted will you be in what you feel like your purpose is? So on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. And they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Without the distraction and without the intimidation and without the scoffing and without every single plot without the hard would they have would they would they would they have realized that at the end of the day that this wall had been built with the help of our God and we all talk about things that we want to go do but at the, at the end of the day at the, at the end of the day, we all got to figure out, like, what can we be so convicted in that as we navigate this life, that when people see what we're building, they can look at it and they can say, hey, man, I see what they went through. I see how hard that was. That's brutal. But I see they did it in 52 days. And the two, like, the two things are, like, it's hard to conceive that, but it's not that one's not true without the other. Yes, it was expedited. Yes, it was done in a speed that is unnatural to doing something of that magnitude. Yes, it was magnificent. Yes, 52 days was astounding, but it wasn't easy. And that's where, that's where we struggle right now, right? Like, like we, we want to be astounded. We want to be fascinated. We want to be a part of the 52 days, but we don't want to be a part of the heart. We don't want to meet, right? We don't want to meet the opposition with enthusiasm and effort and determination so that we can get on the back and say, yes, it was 52 days. And I can't come hang out with you because I'm involved in a great work. And as you analyze your life, right? And then I go back to when I sat in your chair. We think... 
as I close, I'll give you this. Like, we think this thing's compartmentalized, right? But when you, when you read one of the parables, right, on the house being built on the rock, it talks about the different houses, right, and the foundation that you got to build your life on. It's really clear, like, building, like, it says in that parable, it's like a house. It doesn't say a room for your education, in a room for your health, in a room for your job, in a room for your faith, in a room for SCA on Monday nights, in a room for this. It don't say that. It says you're building a house. Right? So when I look at when I look at my life and, and I told you those four things, right? I want to have a faith that matters. I want to have a marriage that matters. I want to have a family that matters. I want to have a program that when they see us win it this year, I want them to say, look what they had to go through last year. And I want to tell them why it matters. And I want to tell them why Furman had won it since 1980. And I want to tell them how we did it and why we did it. Because we're different. But it's been hard. But it's been expedited. The stuff this program hadn't done because of our players. 2015, this thing was 343 in the net. There's only 352 teams out there. It's incredible what these guys have done. And that's going to be a part of the story. But that shot going in is going to be a part of the story too. And that's a microcosm of all of our lives. And so as you analyze this whole thing, right, you're, you're just like, man, life's crazy. Man, this thing's all moving around. I got class, and I got this, and I got to go to practice, and I got this, and I got this. Like, what matters? And at the end of the day, that's my plea for all of us, right? Like, you boil it all down. It's your relationship with Christ that matters. It's your ability to love. It's your ability to give, right? It's your ability to give the effort and enthusiasm and determination that others need to see so you can be a part of something bigger than yourself, so at the end of the day, you can reflect and you can show people that you did this with the help of God. Okay, so hopefully, of everything I've said tonight, I know that's real. And I know, like, the hardness is probably not something that, you know, everybody wants to come here and talk about. Usually, hey, let's inspire them and let's get them all fired up. But you know what? We need to understand this. You're carrying on a transition period in your life where it's going to get harder than you ever could imagine. This is the easiest point of your life right now. You need to appreciate that. You need to value that. You need to get that. You need to understand that. And you need to understand, right, as you, as you get older and things change, like, it's, you're going to need this type of conviction. And you're going to need this type of purpose. Okay? If there's anything we can do for you, anything, okay, y'all come see us. Dennison walked in my office today. We talked for a few minutes. Great guy. The way he went about leading this and handling this. I mean, I should have known something was different. I mean, he was over at the office writing me like a two-page letter, hitting my admin all the time. Like, he was on it. All right? I don't know what he does. I, I know he plays soccer and all that. I'm telling you, impressive. Walked smack up to my admin and said, can I see Coach for a little bit today? He probably thought I forgot about the medal. I did. You want to come over? You want to come see practice? You want to come hang out with us? There's something we can do for you. Like, I want to help you guys, all right? I'm blown away. Like, and I'm not just, I'm not just having them stand up, like, big time, okay? If I can support this, if my wife and I can help at all in this, you find me, okay? You come see me. We want to be a part of what you guys are doing. Go impact this campus and go build something that matters. Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this night. And uh, I ask your forgiveness. We're going a few minutes over. But uh, Lord, we just, we just thank you for all the things that you, you give us. We thank you for the plans that you have for us. We, we thank you, God, for the things that you have for us to build and for those things that you have for us to be a part of. But we pray, God, that we will seek them. That we won't just sit back and wait, but that we will seek it. And when we seek it, that we'll have the conviction to give the enthusiasm and the effort and the determination in the midst of the opposition. Lord, we pray that we'll build things that matter. We pray that when we get off route, that you will direct us, that we have accountability structures to help us direct us. Lord, we pray that we will continue to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.